was saved before they go to all the nations and make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them to do everything that I've called you to do. Father, we look beyond ourselves this morning. Father, we thank you for what you will do in us. And friends, I want to say to you, I really feel that the Lord is saying that sometimes that is the key in your life. It's the thing that you're struggling with. Is God is saying if you take your focus off that and you just look beyond to someone else, it's almost like you will change that thing so quickly. But because you focus on that specific thing so much, it becomes a blockage. So Lord, I pray for grace upon your people. Father, as we deal with your word, Father, this is the word of God when we read the Bible. Holy Spirit, come and reveal what you want to reveal to us and change in us what you want to change in us and deposit in us what you want to deposit in us, Lord. We bless you, Lord. You're a faithful Father. In Jesus' name, amen. As the worship team is moving down, and as we get ready to go into a sermon, I just really want to honor so many servants in church. If you look around, if you see the chairs packed out, if you hear the worship, many of us don't know about the hours of work that go into preparing a place and an atmosphere and the communion table that's set out. So thank you to every person in our church that serves. We are a church that serves. We believe that everyone is called to serve to. But we really want to honor you and thank you for giving your time. Just, uh, I, I can't go on without saying happy birthday to you. <laughs> Guys, it's, you know, there's, there's certain people that you walk with that, you know, when you walk with them for years, and specifically because we work together, we work together. So basically, most of what you're seeing around you is no one's fault. <laughs> most of the things in church that work and that's just put in place on time, and, and the fact that he, you know, sometimes gets up at 5:30 in the morning is so overlooked and no one notices it. But Lord, we honor you. We want to say happy birthday. We honor you. James is the dude that says, in James 2, he says, show me 
your faith without actions, and I will show you my faith through my actions. Now, as you study the book of James, it's really difficult if you think you want to preach through the book of James in five to six weeks. As I started preparing, I think maybe five to six months is going to be more apt. But I titled my sermon Relentless because if you start digging into the Word of God, if you start reading around the book of James, if you start understanding who James was, the life that he lived. It's almost like if I say to you, who of you are uh, follow people on YouTube? Mm-hmm. I follow a guy called Flipping Honest Okay. <laughs> it's quite interesting. He's flipping houses. He buys all the houses and this flip and he flips it. Alright. Flipping honest Okay, that was quite interesting. Well, my kids, if you speak to my kids, they will say Preston. Now if I say to you, I've got a book written by Preston. And I've got a book written by C.S. Lewis. Who will pick Preston? Any takers? Please don't raise your hand. If I say C.S. Lewis, who will pick C.S. Lewis? Why? Because you know the impact of the man. You know the substance behind him. Preston is not even like candy floss. Because you eat him and it's not even a sugar rush. Okay? But if we read the book of James, if we read the gospel, and we start studying these lives, and the question that we ask ourselves is, did they live what they asked others to do? It's quite important because now all of a sudden you can read a book with a concept of who the person is that wrote it, and how he followed through on his writing. He didn't just ask people to do stuff, he did it, and he modeled it, and he just told people, listen, this works. Sorry, I had to tell this joke. It's like a suicide bomber. Okay, this doesn't really fit in yet. Okay. We don't have any vests in the background yet. But the, the point here is, is sometimes you, you get these people and you say, and they say, listen here, but Lord, here's, a, here's a vest for you. Put it on and go press the button there. You know, my, my response to that guy would be, is you first. <laughs> you know, just model what you want to tell me to model. So let's get into the, the Word. And this is the Word of God, friends. There's power in it. We want to find out what faith in action looks like. James 1, verse 1. And I might only get through for verse 1 today. James 1, verse 1 says, James is a servant, a bond servant, a slave of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. You can read the book of James. And I always want to encourage you for the next week, just read the book of James. Just read it through, even if you read it through five or six or seven or eight times. Just read the book as we study through this book. And you're going to see God starting to highlight a few things to you. James, first and foremost, we have to start with himself, the author, the messenger. Who is this James that's writing this? He's a relentless man modeling a relentless faith. He's, a, he's calling believers to follow him as he is following Christ. You know that James was the brother of Jesus. Stepbrother, okay? Stepbrother or brother, I don't know. Jesus had four brothers and two sisters. 
But the two brothers that we know is James of Brother that's right. James and Jude. The book of Jude is the book right before the uh, Revelation. Right now, now it must be difficult, it must have been difficult to be Jesus' brother. Alright? Imagine your parents just saying, can't you be like Jesus? <laughs> just like please. You know, just wash the dishes like Jesus. That's a, quite a high ball. Same thing. So this dude obviously had issues with his older brother. I've got two brothers, Krishna and Vili, and I tell you, Krishna and Vili nailed me. Vili gave me the biggest blue eye that you can ever give someone. Because I had a disagreement with it. But because Jesus was perfect, he didn't smack James. Alright? So we, we were talking about Jesus' brother. We're talking about the man that in the Gospels we read, Jesus is busy preaching and his mother and his brothers are coming and they say to him, they say to his disciples, go call him and tell him that he needs to come out to us. Because he's beside himself. He's like, he's, he's beside himself. He's like someone else. And Jesus says to his disciples, go tell them, my mother and my, my mothers and my brothers and my brother and my sisters are the people who do the kingdom. So James was skeptical about his brother. James was not a great believer. He wasn't just because he was related to Jesus, a great Christian. He struggled with Jesus. And then after the resurrection, something changed. Because in the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, where's my, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 7, when Paul is reciting the people that Jesus appeared to, he recites this very interesting phrase about this James that we're going to talk about. And he says, then he also appeared to James. Now theologians say that that was a very personal moment between Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, and his half-brother James. This guy has got something to say, friends. If you can choose between C.S. Lewis and James, choose James. I wanted to be here, and if I could just be a fly on the wall in that meeting. Jesus appearing to James, what they talk The resurrected God. Because we see James' life radically change. And James becomes this leader of leaders. A few interesting things about James is James had different names given to him by different groups of people. The apostles of the time, just when the New Testament church was started, the apostles of the time, they called him James the Just. James the Just. It's like if you want to get something that makes sense, go to James, he's just. He'll make things work out. He was called James the Wise. I think something happened when he met with Jesus after his resurrection. And one of my favorites, it's because it's so, you know, it's so descriptive, is James the one the camel leads. The one with the camel leads. <laughs> camel leads, yes. You can Google that. Google tells you everything. You know why he had camel leads? The theologians say. James spent most of his time on his knees on the rough floor of the temple, praying for the Lord. If you dig into this, you see that this was a man that was more passionate about praying for the lost than what it was about praying for believers. 
So much so that after his death, as they were embalming his body, they came to his knees and they said, this is not human knees. There's something wrong. There's a physical mark on this guy's body that shows a spiritual commitment. Sounds like baptism to me. We renovated our house and I had to pick up stones and move things around. And I, can, I don't have the prettiest knees in the world. I won't go straight. Okay. I'm going to that. But, but what, causes this, what causes calluses on our knees? Is it our jobs? Is it our, our giving our lives to make sure that my, my inheritance, not my inheritance, my, my off-pedal, what's off-pedal? Pension. Thank you, Robert. That, that's in place. James the camel, camel need. He prayed for the lost friends. He gave his life for the lost. Fascinating man. Leadership and wisdom. You see that James became the he became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. One of the, the first New Testament church, James became the became the leader of that church. And he led the church well. And not only was he the leader of the church in Jerusalem, he became the apostle to the apostles. He wasn't one of the twelve disciples, but he became the apostle to the apostles. You can see that if you, if you read in Acts 14, there's an account, and because of time, I'm not going to read through all of this. But you have a moment where Paul and Barnabas is coming back and they say, Gentiles are getting saved. We are preaching to them. They are baptized. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. What shall we do with them? Should we tell them to be circumcised? Should we tell these Gentiles to, to, to just start doing, to start acting like Jews for them to truly be followers of Christ? And James the wise, James the just listens to this. He listens to the experience and the move of the Spirit. And he links it to prophecies out of Amos. And who's the other prophet that he, that he, uh, that he quotes? Uh, one of them is Amos. And the other one is Isaiah. He links what the Spirit is doing amongst the Gentiles with what the Scripture says. And then he says, guys, we, let's not do this. Let's not force Gentiles to live like Jews. And that's a movement now in the world today. Friends, if you hang out with people that, get, that gets a little bit messianic in the application of the Gospel, you're going to confront this. Get them to read James. Get them to study James's life. And James makes this call and he binds what the Spirit of God is doing in the world. And he binds it with the Word of God. And he makes a proclamation and he says, let's not force them to live like Jews. Let's tell them, avoid moral sin. And don't allow cultural pressure to cause you to act like something that you're not. You are followers of Christ. You don't become a Jew when you become a Christian. And you know what the Gentiles did after they received James' letter and the Apostles' letter? Because James was speaking on their behalf. Great leadership at this moment. And the Gentiles read the letter from the Jerusalem Council and they rejoiced greatly because of its encouragement. This is James. This is the guy whose book we study. James was also not just a man that told people to give their life for the gospel. He did. He was a martyr. James was such a thorn in the flesh 
of the religious of his day that the that Anas, one of the priests, one of the high priests, took him captive. And James was such a thorn in his flesh. And he said, let's mock the word of God. Let's mock him. Let's take him up to the pinnacle of the temple. And let's kill him that way and throw him out the pinnacle of the temple. And they did. And he wasn't dead. He dropped three to four stories. And he wasn't dead. Then they decided, man, this guy just doesn't want to die. Let's stone him. And they stoned him. And he still wasn't dead. And eventually he was clapped to death. Friends, this is, martyrs and critics are not made out of the same stuff. Something happened when this guy met the resurrected Christ. And I want to be surrounded by people like that. I want to read books of people like that. And I want to listen to what they say because, man, it must make sense. Something changed in James's life where he was a critic of Jesus. He didn't like his brother to the point where he died for his brother. And the question that begs us as believers is our lives living up to Christ's death? Is the life we live, is it reasonable for us to ask men and women in this world to give your life fully for Jesus Christ? I don't care what your circumstances are. Give yourself to Jesus. Give yourself to Jesus. And for 
the five most influential people you spend time with. I thank God for my five. I thank God for a choice. I thank God for a father and a mother that loved God more than what they loved their comforts. I thank God that they that they mostly forced me to go to church. Mostly. the 
knees in the temple is writing to these people and he's saying to them, please stop the assimilation. If you go to the next slide. Because the big problem was the audience, the recipients of this letter, their biggest problem was they were assimilated into a culture. They lived in a culture and they started acting like that culture. What is our culture screaming at us? Don't worship Jesus. COVID came, now do church from home. Don't give your life to Jesus. Just add Jesus to your life. Kyrios Mike. Because Mike is Lord. And Jesus can serve Mike. James is crucifying this idea, friends. And we better crucify it in the church. Because I promise you, Mike is not the answer to this city. I can almost give you statistical proof. I promise you, Craig is not the answer. He sings like an angel. But he's not. Kyrios <laughs> Jesus. May we bow our knees. May we give our lives. May we not become this watered down version that is culturally acceptable. Step onto it. I promise you. Story is told, and I'm going to finish with a story about a man who was an atheist, his wife, both of them very highly educated, both atheists because science rule. Science proves God. A friend invited him to church and he thought, man, if I give my life to Jesus, what will my wife say? And that was the only thing that went through his mind. And once he said to her, just come to church with me. There's a bunch of weird people. Let's just go look at them. And she came to church. And then she said to him, let's go to church. And they kind of just said, okay, let's start studying Christianity. You know, it's an interesting bunch of people. And one day the man, whoever was preaching, was preaching. And, and the guy was still sitting at the back. And he knew he had to go bow his knee before Jesus. And he said, the only thing that went, the screaming voice in his mind was, but what would my wife, she's going to leave me if I do this. And the conviction grew and grew and grew, and he got the guts to say, Kyrios Jesus. And as they were kneeling, and the pastor led them in the sinner's prayer, he heard someone next to him, and he, and he heard the cry, someone crying next to him, and he, he, he kind of recognized the cry. And as he looked to his left, it was his wife. They got saved that day. Because the world will, the world will scream against you and say, do not say Kyrios, Jesus. Do not say Jesus is my Lord. Friends, Jesus Christ is your Lord in your tribulation. Because next week we're going to stop talking about application. Now we know who the author was. Now we know who he speaks about. Now he's going to say to you, now, now apply it. Don't just know it. Now you apply it. When tribulation comes, what do you do, my son? What do you do, my daughter? When tribulation comes, Kolia shared a word here, and, and the word was basically, don't assimilate. Don't assimilate.
assimilate into this culture. Trust God. Pray for the lost. Get camel knees. Let's be like that. Let's pray and let's come to church. Nowadays it's very cool to have torn jeans. You know, everyone, everyone is buying clothes that's broken. I don't understand that. Break your own clothes, man. And when you come and there's like dark dots, then we are hey, on the right track, brother. The twelve tribes of the dispersion were Jews that was assimilating so much in culture, they lost their flavor. They were salt that was flavorless. Friends, this is the people that you want to hang around with. This is, I can look around and I know most of you guys. I love you dearly. And I know we have this in common. If you're visiting us for the first time, friend, I, I trust that you will have an incredible moment where you meet people that's willing to say, Kyrios Jesus. He is Lord. I'm not in church because we have good servants here. I'm in church because God said this is my family. Feel Afrikaans and say, I feel this way you feel now. I'm like this here now. I know it's difficult. But God says, go into the nations. What shall we do with it? Because Afrikaans is not going to get me there. Man, I feel it will burn the land here. A boot will break any rule. Okay, we we just do things. Keep the aggression of your Afrikaans. Dress your heels, Bob. But do it in a way that when you preach the gospel, people can say, you are not trying to sell me a culture. You're offering me a savior. That is what we are called to do. The church is apostolic. And as we study the book of James, you will see the church is apostolic in the way it should function. This is not the moment where we say, okay, fine, mission starts here, and this is the mission's hub. Mission's hub, the mission starts when we say amen in church. Then we go. Friends, we love you. And we're going to preach through James. And we're going to talk about hard things. And we're going to talk about some of you have things that's really, it happened to you and it's worth weeping about because it hurt so much. Some of you guys were hurt in church. And I'm so sorry you were hurt in church. But friends, we are not just going to scratch one another's backs. When we study the book of James, the Bible will convict us. The Bible will cut us to the heart. And the Bible will say, deal with your stuff. Kyrios, Jesus, you're a bond servant. You are in this world, but you are not of this world. And we're going to be apostolic. Like James was the, James was the apostle to the apostles. And the same wisdom that God gave James, I promise you, if you come next week, if you don't come next week, you're not going to get it. Okay. <laughs> 
Okay, <laughs> you can listen to the podcast. But it's in God who gives generously to all of us. The same spirit that was in him that enabled him to live a life worth emulating. God gives generously to all of us. James, read verse 2 to 8. Look at me. I want to encourage you, study James this week. Read it five times, read it seven times. Because we're going to have a phenomenal series here of us. God bless you. Now we're going to do communion. Friends, when we do communion, we say, Kyrios Jesus. If Jesus is not the Lord of your life, don't do communion. If He is, do. If He's not the Lord of your life, then you are applying something to something that you don't want to do. I'm not asking you to go to culture, but I'm asking you to examine your heart. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 24 says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant, my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Friends, the simplest way of summarizing this today in line with James is Kyrios Jesus. And I trust that in my heart as I use communion, I can just have a moment. You can do it all alone, or you can do it with a loved one, or you can, you know, I think sometimes you just have to do it alone. Just get alone. And bow your knee if you need to bow down, if you need to kneel down, I don't know how you need to use communion. But just say, God, give us Jesus. Father, thank you for the for the beauty of your word. And for the beauty, Lord God, of the men and the women who you inspired and the exemplary lives they lived, Lord God. To give us a gospel. That's worthy of giving our whole life to Lord. Father, we are not a bunch of apostles or people that might be classified as perfect or fully equipped. But the only thing that binds us together, Lord, is we say, Kyrios Jesus. Jesus, you are worthy of every single person's worship. I know it's sincere. Deal with us, Lord. Unhook our hearts. And let us worship you in a way that you deserve. Father, we celebrate communion. We remember your body broken. We remember your blood flowing. And Lord, I pray that as we use communion, that the same spirit that was on James, Lord, that you will by your grace give to each one liberally as they ask in the name of Jesus.